0: build you know, a new home, a new house, a new dwelling um, from effectively a patch of dirt. So I, I fell in love with the process So, and then once, once I was hooked, it, there was no going back.
1: This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm on Shum and in this episode, we're chatting with Melbourne-based developer of Franco Buildings, Henry Villa. Tune in to learn about the most overlooked key to successful development and the reason why it causes so many to stumble. Also learn about the 8th month development plan that ensures a safe, successful and selling project every time. Miller loves the world of property and he gets to experience it every day.
0: I'm a property developer and a builder with Franco buildings Uh, and uh, yeah so a lot of my property journey has been focused on property development construction both for our own projects and for clients. So uh, a lot of what we do is residential development particularly multi-units seems to be the 80 or 90% of what we do. Uh, We do a few apartment buildings. Uh, but, they're, uh, but they're probably not as big part of what we do as, as, some of the other, as some of the other projects we do. So, but definitely the residential area. So, a lot of what we do is increase the, increase the density of existing properties. So, if a, you know, if a property in a big block, there's a single house in there, what we tend to help uh, our clients do is we knock down that house and then build two, three, four, you know, five townhouses or units uh, depending obviously on the land and where it is and what the market can sustain, um, with the view that then they will go and all sell that product, make a profit in
1: the process. In fact, Villa thinks building routines don't have to be associated with boring or the same thing every day.
0: My day today is actually, it's actually fairly, fairly consistent and to be honest, a, li- a little bit boring. So, uh, there's two things that I do every day, um, you know, one of them has to do with like I said, building residential projects. So the project management uh, and the administration of, of those projects, we, we tend to have anywhere between three and nine projects going at the same time. Uh, so going to side, you know, liaising with trades and, and suppliers and getting getting properties constructed. Um, the other part of what we do, which is, to be honest, is, is probably more important for us, has to do with providing advice to our clients on how to maximize their return on their existing properties or their return on their or, their or the development projects that they're already running. So, you know, very often we, we have clients who are thinking about doing development or are doing development already. Uh, and they just don't know necessarily, you know, what product to build or how to build it, how to optimize the construction cost. So that way, obviously they, they maximize the return. Um, and we play, a, a, you know, a key pivotal role in providing them advice in those areas.
1: But 20 years ago, Villa's world looked very different and property wasn't even a part of it.
0: You can tell by my accent, I wasn't born in, uh, in this part of the world. So I was born in a, in a place called Venezuela on the edge of the Caribbean, uh, much warmer than Melbourne is these days and um, um, I, I studied engineering over there. Uh, after, after doing that uh, for a few years, I moved to the United States uh, on and off. Uh, before finally moving to Australia nearly 15 years ago and uh, ever since been calling Australia home. So I studied engineering and computer sciences, so universities over there have a little bit of a structural difference to the way Australian universities work. In the sense that there, are, you know, degrees are much longer. So I went to university for five years, uh, and there are there are a lot more academic. Is probably the way I will describe it. So uh, back then there wasn't kind of degrees in IT or 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 business systems or anything like that. So you had to study engineering first. And then after that, specialize yourself. In my case, I specialize in computer sciences. Um, so that that background in core engineering uh, became really, really useful when uh, once I once I transitioned into property. My career is a little bit is a little bit interesting. So I, I used to be a corporate IT guy a lo- long time ago. And from there, I evolved into consulting, project management. uh, And ultimately, that kind of led me to to kind of construction uh, and engineering. Um, And obviously, in Australia, it's a big industry for us. So, um, you know, once the opportunity presented itself to transition fully into property development and construction, um, yeah, I took it straight away.
1: He took every chance he could to gain industry experience, the rest as they say is history.
0: I work for a number of big corporations here um, and as I was training and understanding the market better, um, ultimately I met my who today's my business partner who have been running the building company for a little bit. Uh, he was in a growth path uh, but like many builders, his biggest challenge was who could he, who he, who he see uh, next to him, that could understand the philosophies of the organisation and could drive growth in, in the same way that him, as founder, uh, could, could could grow it. So, and because we had a long-standing relationship, um, we were a good fit for each other. So, ended up, uh, yeah, joining the organisation full-time, and uh, yeah, now we're we're uh, well and truly in that in that growth path we've been over the last few years.
1: However, the skills villa has built outside development haven't been wasted.
0: My parents are both accountants um, of, of different types. So one is more of a practicing accountant, the other one is more of a, a corporate accountant. Um, so from the very beginning, from really, really early age, they helped me understand business and finance really, really well. Even some of those really, really basic concepts, um, you know, serve as a very, very good base to understand how to build and grow business across a number of different industries. So, really, really sort of general basic um, skills and, and knowledge that became really useful uh, much later on. Uh, I had a cu- couple of, you know, early ventures um, back in the dot-com days and, uh, and, and, and following that. Um, and that set a good, a good base for when I decided to kind of go on my own and establish my own company.
1: Working in property is one thing. Starting a personal investment journey is another adventure entirely.
0: Definitely an interesting journey, a bit of a, an unexpected one. There's a little bit of, bo- of luck involved, being in the right place uh, at the right time. So um, as an investor, my first property uh, was a little two-bedroom unit in, uh, in a place called Druin up in, in the Gippsland country, Victoria. Um, you know, bought it with the intention of living in it. Didn't quite pan out the lifestyle. Uh, So after a year, I turned it into a a kind of standard investment property. Um, Great great investment property by itself, you know, positively, you know, uh, positive cash flow, positive gear, uh, low maintenance. So pretty good, but more in the traditional um, way of investing in property. And it was only much later when I started building my own house in Melbourne. Um, I got much closer to to that particular project, kind of follow it, um, you know, on a day-to-day basis, together with uh, the person that today is my kind of my business partner in, in Franco Buildings, um, and I got the opportunity to see both the similarities between managing a construction project and managing other uh, types of projects that I managed in the past, uh, but also, you know, how exciting it is to build. You know, a new home, a new house, a new dwelling, um, from effectively a patch of dirt. So I, I fell in love with the process, and immediately I started looking for opportunities to get more involved in 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 projects like that, to get more involved on a day-to-day basis on on the process and the running of projects. So, and then once once I was hooked, it, there was no going back.
1: Usually, development is a tool many investors leave unutilized. However, Villa was interested almost straight away. He says working in a partnership boosted his confidence.
0: The first project that I saw, sort of end to end, it's a two townhouse development that my uh, uh, my business partner had already started in uh, in Surrey Hills. So I came on board sort of uh, halfway through that process, or maybe a third through that process. But enough to see the end-to-end construction uh, of um, of the property and all the way all the way to sell. Uh, so you know, obviously, lots of learnings through that process, um, a lot of preparation. So that project we ran together. So um, both my business partner and I um, were project managers in the deal. So allow me to learn from from the experience he already had, the systems we already had. But at the same time, look at, look at the project with sort of new, fresh eyes, have a look for opportunities to, you know, improve our processes, implement new tools. And I guess take a lot of the experience that I had managing other projects and how those learnings and those tools could be used in property um, to improve, to, you know, improve the outcome, shorten the duration of projects and um, yeah, get a better result.
1: Sure enough, Villa's first dip into development was nothing like he had done before in the best way possible.
0: Again, two two townhouses in Surrey Hill is a fairly upmarket area here in Melbourne. Um, So these townhouses were, they're they're almost identical copies of of each other, they're four bedrooms, four and a half bathrooms, uh, really high end in terms of finishes and really high quality construction. Um, it's a market where they expect that most rooms will have an end suite in it, which is why you see so many bathrooms in that in that process. And they also expect certain level of quality, uh, not, not only in the construction but also in the finishes. So, you know, Tasmanian oak in the in, in the floorings kind of throughout, high-end carpet in the in the bedrooms, um, you know, German appliances, you know, top end. Um, you know, architraves and and uh, and kind of details. Um, you know, spas in almost every bathroom. Um, you know, frameless showers. You know, floor to uh, floor to, to ceiling tiles. Uh, high high ceilings. Uh, and ultimately, that kind of top finish. So um, it was a really really good experience for for us to. Uh, reinforce one of our core principles, which is, you know, the the building of of high quality properties rather than just going for uh, for the lower cost. Um, it also ended up paying back to to the developer um, who who was um, kind of funding t- this particular project uh, because both units sold for about ten percent. Uh, above the, the expectation that the real estate agents had quoted so one of those that sold at auction for nearly $1.8 million um, and the other one sold sold sort of privately sh- shortly thereafter for a, for a similar sum so, so ultimately a great result for a project like that.
1: Even through a single project, Villa says he was exposed to one of the key elements of building success, speed.
0: Uh, we built it in about seven months. Uh, but. Um, it included a period of rain, which um, again Melbourne uh, uh, it's, uh, it's notorious for. So depending on what time of the year uh, construction starts, there, there's about a month there that needs to be kind of taken off. So the real the real kind of effective time of construction was probably six and a half months. So so but but we still the, the way we execute our projects is 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 high speed. We're probably faster than 90% of the builders in, in Victoria. Uh, because we not only plan them ahead, but but we have a series of uh, kind of tools and techniques that we deploy throughout throughout the construction to ensure that there's effectively very little downtime. Um, we don't we don't sit around waiting. We make sure that the next step is ready to start as soon as one trade comes out, the next one uh, goes in, and sometimes even in parallel if that's possible, because we know for most of our clients uh, and for our own projects, uh, you know, a shorter project um, has an intrinsic value in terms of holding cost and you know speed to market.
1: Prioritizing quick turnarounds for clients has now allowed Villa and his team to undertake all kinds of challenging initiatives.
0: I talk about the last four or five years, we build about 40 units every year. Um, um, both a combination of um, our own projects and projects that we do for, for clients uh, and obviously a mix of um, you know sizes of actual projects. So there's projects in there that are you know single custom house. There are in there. There might be you know five or six townhouses, uh, and we're building a 14 apartment building at the moment. Um, but but in general, our average is about 40 units every year. So.
1: Of course, sometimes even a great team can't solve the biggest problem in any development project, which is poor planning.
0: Uh, plenty of uh, plenty of uh, disaster stores in my investment career, but luckily not not in development. Uh, um, th- this one had to do with a, uh, a project where the, the permits uh, have, been, um, uh, have been processed to get uh, sort of expediency through council. And in the process of doing that, uh, a few decisions have been made around uh, the structure of the house, the location of the house, the size of the rooms, uh, and the, the distribution of, of some of these properties. Um, to kind of, you know, make it easy to go through council, but the person going through that process did not necessarily think about the construction stage. Um, I'm not exactly sure uh, why, but they might have thought, you know, that's the builder's problem, or we'll figure that out when we get to to the building stage. So we obviously get involved in the the building stage, and the moment we had a look at, at the plans, um, we realized that a few of those decisions have been made that were suboptimal, um, but the plans by then were were um, were already approved. So um, the client had two options: option one, build it as it was um, designing the plans, and end up probably spending uh, between 150 and 200 thousand dollars more than they should have, uh, with no expectation of getting that money back through through the sale or going back through the whole planning process again through council and get a new DA or new planning permit um, and get that approved, which will effectively set back the project, you know, eight or nine months. So so it was one of those lose-lose situations. Um, The the client decided to do uh, what what I consider to be probably the less painful option, uh, go back to council, redo the process. Um, but, you know, all of that could have been saved by, you know, um, thinking about the project end to end from the very beginning, uh, rather than, you know, thinking necessarily one step at a time without um, considering the consequences of some of those decisions.
1: It's something Villa sees far too often.
0: Listen, the, the biggest, um, by far, the, the biggest issue we see uh, in the development world is, um, is when people don't do their numbers their numbers right. So it's very easy if you're not involved in, in the industry, if you're not a builder, if you've never done property development before, it's very easy to underestimate the development cost of a project like this, whether it is leaving out uh, big expenses uh, during the construction project or even during the design and permit process. Uh, or, the, or, or DA process, as it's called in other parts of the country, um, or, or, or whether it is uh, you know, leaving out things like GST or council contributions, and all of those things can be on themselves bigger than the potential profit of the project. So it has the ability um, to turn uh, you know, a perfectly uh, positive project, into a project that doesn't doesn't provide the profit that, that they already expected so um, we see that happening a lot with um, so new developers uh, what we call the once and done developers developers who go they really get emotional about the process you know maybe pay too much for a site without necessarily doing their numbers correctly um, end up paying too much. Uh, then on now they're, they're at a point where they need to execute even if they're not going to make any money during, during, uh, during that process. Uh, they get burned out, never do it again, sort of retire from the industry. Um, we also seen a whole lot of builders, uh, particularly lower end builders who've been um, in financial uh, struggles in, in, in the last few years and that they've seen development as a way of generating pipeline for the construction companies so they're happy to not make a profit in the development side of the project because they're making a profit on the building side of the project. Um, and that's a sound business decision, uh, but it, it basically leaves the the builders uh, hanging from a thread. So if one thing were to go wrong, then you know the project, sometimes even the builder, ends up uh, go, going under. So um, definitely biggest recommendation is do your numbers correctly you know, do your feasibility. Make sure you include uh, every element in um, before making a decision. It's a lot easier to say no to a building site or to a, to a development site before you buy it than than after you pay too much for it.
1: The fact that developments can be such a difficult undertaking is actually one of the reasons Villa loves it so much. He knows he can help.
0: Fairly early in my development career, once I got once I got involved in a, in a couple of projects that was able to see it sort of end to end. It was in that same Surrey Hill project that I I was talking about uh, in a a different part of the interview. And it's when I realized that one of the great things about property development uh, is that there's no losers in in the process, right? There's no losers in the game. And what I mean by that is in a well-structured, well-executed development project, Everyone makes money and everyone gets something out of it. So, you know, the owner of the site can maximize their sale value of the property because often uh, sites that get used for development, um, um, you know, carry, carry a premium and, and they tend to be happy with that. The developer obviously makes money through the development process and, and, uh, and the construction process. You know, suppliers and trades can make a decent earning out of providing, you know, skills and work and materials for uh, for the construction projects, and, and the ultimate buyer who buys the end product also ends up with you know an incredibly quality home that they can either live in or add to their investment portfolio as a rental. Um, so there's really no one in the cycle that ends up uh, losing or worse off. Uh, provided the project gets structured properly. Uh, and that's one of the things that I love about development. That's one of the things what we made development, uh, you, know, uh, you know, a key tool in our arsenal and, and kind of our life calling. It's not, you know, it's not about the money. It's not about, you know, the, the the interesting projects that we execute or the intellectual challenging exercises that we do every day. All of those things are important. But the one that really kind of, drive us every day is the is the ability to create value for other people.
1: Coming up after the break, Villa shares with us the mindset he maintains when undertaking any challenge, even outside the property space.
0: I've developed a a, a mindset where I I am open to listen to anyone. As you don't know where the next pearl of wisdom can come from.
1: Plus, the most rewarding strategies for your money and your mind.
0: Does I start with the end in mind. I don't look for a site straight away. I don't necessarily look for an area straight away. Uh, we analyze the market to see what what end users are demanding.
1: And that's next. I'm Taran Shum and you're listening to Property Investor. Five months later, the development was refinanced and we received our funds back with interest. Yes, there are amazing opportunities in the property market like this one. So do you want to get a better return with lower risk on your money? Then register your interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. Villa has kindly agreed to share with us the mindset which has contributed to so much of his success. However, he thinks it's important to mention that it hasn't come naturally. A
0: friend of mine uh, gives to me a book from Robert Kiyosaki called "Rich Dad, Poor Dad," which you mentioned in the podcast a thousand times, and so many of your uh, of your uh, uh, of your interviews. Um, it was one of those times. I'm one of those who can kind of read the book and suddenly sparked enough curiosity uh, to go and understand more, to go and talk to people, to go and see how this thing could work. Um, luckily, my analytical mind um, was, you know, was well equipped to have a look at the evidence and realize that, um, that a lot of those concepts were, were valid. And like I said, once that clicked in my head, uh, there, there was no going back. Uh, I was, you know, I could never see the world the same way. No, listen, there, there's, there's something that I think holds uh, a lot of people back. It did it did hold me back for many, many years. Uh, uh, lo- luckily, I kind of again surrounded myself with the right people to get around it. But, and it was my perception of debt. So one of the things that... Um, you know, it's very different in property than it is in, in, in other vehicles is the ability to carry debt. And when you have a perception of debt as something that is bad, like my parents did, like my whole upbringing uh, led, led me to lead, where you try to pay off debt uh, rather, than, rather than carrying it, that can become uh, a really limiting factor. So, in, in you know, there's good debt and bad debt, and, and once you understand that, you can use that for your advantage and to be honest, to achieve things that you could not achieve um, any, any other way. So,
1: Ironically, it's probably Villa's understanding of his own limitations that has helped him achieve so much.
0: Listen, there's all sorts of things that I've done over, over the years, everything from kind of specific sales training to specific building training to specific material training. But I think the one that's made the most difference is is the mindset, um, the work that I've done, in mindset, and the people I've surrounded me with. Um, uh, you know, I'm, again, I'm going to be a bit cliché. I mentioned a lot of the people that you will have heard, of, you know, in other places. You know, over, obviously Robert Kiyosaki, uh, T. Harv Eker, Tony Robbins, all of those guys. Um, and, and and again, I've developed a a, a mindset where I I am open to listen. To anyone, is you don't know where the next pearl of wisdom can come from, and sometimes it's out of these kind of big figures. Sometimes it's the what I call the little people—a colleague, a tradie, someone in the street. Um, it, uh, you know, I think getting that mindset of openness and learning, and being able to relate the stories other people tell you to your own reality is probably what has made the most difference in my in my development career. Listen, the best advice I've ever received is to help enough other people get what they want uh, because that's what's going to make them help you get what you want. Um, So that mindset and culture of serving others, of creating value for others um, without necessarily thinking directly about what's in it for you, trusting that if you do enough of that, um, you know, it will all come around and, and you'll be in a great place.
1: yet the only guarantee in development is that problems will come villa says that's not necessarily a bad thing
0: for me it's all about the way you look at problems the way we look at problems so uh, people in general don't like problems they think they're something bad that you know they should be avoided and a life without problems will be uh, will be great uh, i have a different view so my view is that problems are opportunities um, and that my daily job is really solving problems, solving problems for us, solving problems for, our, for others. And um, if, we, you know, if we focus on that next problem, um, on that next step, then everything is going to be fine. Many people kind of look at, well, in a big development project, they get overwhelmed by, the, by knowing that there'll be 20, 100 problems that will arise over the duration of a project. And they don't know how they're gonna solve that last problem, so they give up even before they start. So so for me, I guess in terms of in terms of habits, what I do every day, what I remind myself of doing every day, is look problems as opportunities, and also when problems arise, concentrate on that first step. Let's solve the first portion of it, and then once you get there, you can concentrate on the next one and keep keep plowing along until you achieve the results you want.
1: Villa's unique mindset helps set him apart from others. So what about his business?
0: The way my process runs and my strategy in property property development runs is I start with the end in mind. I don't look for a site straight away, I don't necessarily look for an area straight away. Uh, We analyze the market to see what what end users are demanding, where people want to live, what kind of houses or what kind of properties they want to live in and where's demand increasing, where's demand decreasing. Um, and we follow a little bit of a method where we, particularly in Melbourne um, and in the southeast in Melbourne particularly, which is where we do a lot of our work, there's a little bit of a wave moving from the inner suburbs all the way out to the to the outer suburbs. So we follow those trends and try to, um, try to get a little bit ahead of them because, you know, a development project takes about 18 months. So um, once we know, What's, what's been demanded, what people want, What where people want to live and what kind of houses they want to live in, then we start having a look at, you know, where can we buy uh, lots of land or, or, or sites to build that kind of property. Um, and, and, and that leads us to the right suburbs, uh, the right parts of the suburbs, the right streets within those suburbs. Um, and then ultimately, to getting into kind of specific negotiations for, um, for specific sites and specific properties. Once we have a property, then we we go through a process of designing what the end product will look like. Again, because we are builders ourselves, we manage the end-to-end process. So in that early planning, we take into account, um, you know, construction costs and the, the effect, particular design decisions making those construction costs. So we optimize that process to make it both easy to go through council, or at least as easy as it can be to go through council these days, um, but also to ensure that the end product, uh, you know, it's um, as close to what the market wants as, as possible. Uh, once we go through council uh, and get, get a, a DA or, or, or a planning permit, uh, depending on which state you are, um, we go through the process of creating construction documentation, building permits, uh, detailed drawings, structural engineering, um, and then we process. We, we, process, you know, we proceed to start, start the construction, uh, which takes anywhere between you know, seven and twelve months, de- depending on the project. Um, somewhere in that process, depending on the project and depending on where the project is, we tend to involve. Uh, real estate agents, um, um, obviously, our, our traders, but real estate agents in particular. So we can understand if we need, if we're going to do sales of the plan or if we want to wait uh, for uh, for the project to be fully built before we we take it to the market. Again, with the view of optimizing the results of each specific project, and in cases where we work with clients to optimize the results for our specific clients. Mm-hmm.
1: Villa says good strategies don't have to be complex or even unique.
0: Our development projects are, to be honest, they're rather boring sometimes. We tend to follow a bit of a, a bit of a recipe. So, the 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 biggest two trends in Melbourne at the moment um, that we're trying to address are uh, increasing density. So you know. Gone are the days where you know the minimum requirement for a suburban house was to be on 750 square meters of land or 1,000 meters of land, big house, you know, four bedrooms, um, to, you know, two bathrooms, double car garage. Um, th- those those properties, um, they still exist in the outer rings, but in the in the inner and center rings, um, they they're just not not affordable anymore so there's a push to increase density in those areas you know put two townhouses where there used to be one or sometimes three townhouses where there used to be one uh, so we look at a lot of those projects the other big trend that we're following sometimes in parallel with this first one is is a the what is the aging population so a lot of people have been living in these houses in, in, in some of those suburbs um, for 20, 30, 40, 40, 50 years. Yeah, uh, they're at a point where you know children, you know, have grown up and they're going on their on their own way, uh, and now they're stuck with a house that might be too big for what they want, um, hard to maintain. You know, they don't want to mow the they don't they don't want the level of maintenance that a, a, a traditional suburban house. Needs, but at the same time they don't want to move. They're in a place where you know they they're used to the locality. Their friends live around them. They know where the shops are. They know where their entertainment areas are. Um, so what we tend to do is we tend to establish projects that will allow those downsizers uh, to take the opportunity of continue living in the communities they live in and take advantage of the lifestyle that you know um, that, that, that the place, uh, offers them while at the same time have a, you know, low maintenance kind of new feeling property that, that will, you know, will take them from then, uh, for, for many years.
1: For a project to work, just like any building, it all starts with solid foundations.
0: We start with it, the, with the end in mind. So we start you know, how much will these units or, or townhouses sell for and that tends to set the frame for the entirety of the rest of the process. That's effectively the bucket of money that we have to spend on a project. Now, some of that will go to the land, and to be honest, the land is usually the last component. Some of that will go to the construction. The construction costs tend to be, we can optimize them a little bit, but tend to be largely fixed. So what we tend to do is we tend to conduct, conduct a full feasibility study where we take into account, you know, the end sales price of the property uh, minus um, the sales expenses, so, you know, um, uh, commissions for the real estate agents, uh, GSTs, taxes, that, that sort of things. Um, and then of the, of the remaining bucket, we subtract or take into account what we call the development cost. That includes both the construction cost, but also the other costs that are related to obtaining planning permits or DAs, um to, to to getting design, engineering, and, and and working drawings out of that process. That tells us how much will this property cost to develop. And the residual of that is how much money we can pay, the maximum we can pay for a block of land, um but w- without without any profit. So we tend to take that that amount of money, subtract out of that what we consider to be a fair profit for for the project, and then we go shopping with the rest of the money, we know how much money we can afford um, for uh, to pay for a site. So we go to the market directly, looking for sites with the characteristics uh, needed for that project, whether it's you know the the meterage or the frontage or the right zoning, um, but also with a very very clear budget of how much we can pay for a block of land. If it fits uh, that criteria, then we buy it very very quickly. We tend to take you know. Um, two or three days to make an offer. Um, If it doesn't fit that criteria, we immediately put it to one side and move on to the next.
1: Phyllis says life is much easier when plans are in place. Giving everything else a clear time frame and natural progression.
0: Once we find a site and we negotiate it, we kind of locked it in. Uh, immediately we start we we start deploying our team, our development team into the property. So there are a number of professionals that get involved very early in the process. Everything from arborists to make sure that there are no uh, no no trees in in the property that will cause an issue or that we can. uh, maintain um, and and what the design parameters have to be to to protect those trees, Uh, land surveyors to do a feature survey of of the block of land and immediately we get involved uh, our own architects and and town planners to start thinking about the specific design, specific dimensions of the properties that we will build uh, into the block uh, all of those documents and all of those uh, activities with the view of very, very quickly uh, putting a package together, an application package, uh, to, go, to go to Council to obtain a planning permit or a DA, a planning permit in the case of Victoria. Um, the, once, once we have all of that, we have a what's in Victoria called a, a pre-submission uh, meeting with the, with the relevant Council where we have a conversation with them about the project we want to do, what we're trying to build, you know, how we think it's going to impact the community, um, and and make sure that we address all the council's requirements up front. Um, Once all of that has been done, then we submit to council um, and then the the wait starts. So that process tends to take eight or nine months to to get from that point to the point where we get a permit. So in a lot of cases, we try to negotiate long settlements. Um, not uncommon for us to buy properties with settlements 10 or 12 months away. Um, and that gives us enough time for us to process, to, to do all the process of obtaining permits without effectively owning the land, uh, without effectively uh, having any holding costs for, for the land uh, beyond, beyond the deposit that we, that we paid upfront. front, so um, sometimes that's not possible and where that's not possible, then the holding cost during that period get factored in in the feasibility study that we run for the projects.
1: With good foundations, Villa's development strategy is as close as you can get to a sure thing. His experiences prove that.
0: There are two reasons why we don't end up selling the property. Um, the first one is we make sure that all those conditions that will lead uh, to for will lead to us abandoning a project and, and selling ultimately selling the property. We make sure that all of those things are avoided up front when we buy the site. So um, that's why we meet with council before we submit the application. That's why we really only buy sites where our chances of success in the development process are high rather than when there's a surprise or something that is um, unclear or where there are kind of risks involved that are beyond what we're kind of willing to accept Um, the other reason why we don't tend to abandon them is because being a builder um, you know we already have all the team and the mechanisms for us to to drive projects to completion so uh, sometimes we bring joint venture partners along the process if for whatever reason we decide that it's important for us to share the risk Or if we have a joint venture partner that is particularly interested in working with us in some of these projects. Um, But in general, we tend to finish every project we start. I haven't found one that we haven't done that yet.
1: If it works so well, why risk selling after completion?
0: Most projects we run will have uh, a certain amount of pre sales before, while the construction is happening. Uh, And it tends to. Um, tends to be aligned with the location of the project. So, projects in more affordable suburban areas are are easier to sell off the plan. And by selling off the plan, we can, you know, we can allow people to get access to those properties at a lower cost because they're obviously reducing our risk by buying by buying upfront. Um, and also, obviously, they don't get access to the property immediately; they need to wait. Know, three or four months until those properties are completed. Um, however, there are projects where pre-sales are just not practical, uh, particularly in the high-end suburbs uh, around the bay in, in Melbourne is a good example. People just don't tend to buy these properties on, on pre-sale of the plan. They tend to wait until they can see it and feel it, until they can actually confirm the level of finishes that been that been um, have been put in there, whether they like the colors or not, whether they like the appliances have been put in there or not. Um, So we tend to have that dual strategy where in in a lot of our projects, we tend to do pre-sales. In in other projects, it's just not practical to do pre-sales so those get planned to run all the way to completion and then go to sale.
1: Transforming a mindset into practical steps mirrors what Villa does every day in his career. And that's why he has numerous processes.
0: There's a tool I personally use, which is to create a pre-commitment, right? So, um, and that pre-commitment, as well as being impatient, I'm also fairly committed. So, once I commit to achieving something, I am, you know, I relentlessly pursue it. And I, um, we were talking about not giving up Uh, before, I I tend to, you know, once I commit to achieving a particular uh, to go through a particular process, uh, I, I tend to follow through very well. So the way I've managed to um, control my impatience is by creating those commi- those commitments, uh, even sometimes artificially, even sometimes when they're not needed. So um, I will go and commit to pursue a project for 18 months and put it in writing, sometimes put it in a contract, even if I don't have to, uh, just to ensure that, you know, once it's written down, now I need to follow through. So it's, it's really, really hard for me to kind of get away from that kind of personal commitment to me or my business partner or, or my clients um, be, before before that time. The other thing that has helped me a lot is to have enough things going on at, at the same time. So we don't have one project that runs for 18 months because what tends to happen in most projects is there are really really busy times and there's really really quiet times and in those quiet times is when my impatience kicks the most. I can't sit still. I can't, you know, not be adding value, not 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 be uh, doing something. So, what I'm, the way uh, the way I manage that is have enough projects so there's always something going on in my life and that actually um, forces me um to slow down and i know it's a little bit counterintuitive but because i have enough things going on at the same time it's very easy for me to kind of look back and think where have the last you know six or 12 or 18 months gone because i've been busy doing doing uh, doing what i do best doing what i love
1: While Villa has many tools at his disposal, one of his personal favorites is hindsight.
0: Listen, probably the biggest thing I will say to my younger self was will be to be patient, uh, and that's really important in what I do today. But it took me 10 years to to figure it out, to not jump from, you know, from one thing to the next, to you know, to one strategy to the next, to one vehicle to the next. Uh, because it has not worked in the you know, 6, 12 months, 18 months that I've tried it. Uh, most things in life take time, development in particular takes a lot of time, uh, and patience is incredibly important, so I am naturally patient, so I've had to do a lot of work um, to, to develop the patience to drive these projects from the very beginning to, to its end. So. Listen, the main reason why I'm still in property development is uh, I, f- I still feel I'm, I'm really young at this game. I still feel I have 30 or 40 years of doing this and I'm enjoying it, to be honest, more than I did the first day. Um, and it's a really, really fun process process to have. And it's a fun process to go through that has a, the, the very rare opportunity of create a lot of value for others. But also, obviously, a, a lot of value for, for, for me personally, both, um, you know, both as a personal growth instrument, but, but obviously financially. So, um, yeah, you, you're talking about, um, you know, my journey, and I think my journey is just starting.
1: So, what's next for Henry Villa?
0: We're excited about a number of things. So, we're on a growth path. Uh, uh, as, a, as an organization uh, and, and, and personally as well, uh, we're, we're trying to double the size of our business in the next 12 to 18 months. We're tracking really, really well in that process, um, but we're also excited to see, you know, some of the new trends and the new um, kind of kind of properties that that are starting to make appearance in, in a market like Victoria, where. Um, you know, traditionally, you know, most properties have been of a particular type and a particular shape and a particular finish. It's almost like there's been this cookie cutter approach to houses for for many decades. Uh, finally, with a you know, with 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 people like us, migrants coming coming here and getting a more more exposure to the younger generation, uh, a lot of those paradigms are are falling down, so I'm really excited to see the kind of properties we're gonna be building, you know, five, 10 years from now.
1: Thank you to Henry Villa, our guest on this episode of Property Invest If you love the show, perhaps you are now ready to invest your money in a low risk, high return deal. If you are, then SMS me your name and email address on 0499881040 to become a lender. There are amazing opportunities in the property market right now. And I'm looking for lenders who want to invest their money for as short as 6 months. What are you waiting for? Don't let your money just sit in the bank. To register your interest, text me your name and email address on 0499881040.